Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Another huge welcome to anyone that's new in the room. You know, it's only when you go somewhere new that you remember how awkward it can feel to be a guest. And, you know, this is incredible what's happening in our church. So many people, so many new people. And we want to say thank you for coming and being here, being part of our family. Stick around, keep coming. And uh, we want to honor you for your courage to come into a place like this where we all know, feels like we know each other. So one more time, come on, let's congratulate all those that are new. And in this series, we're going to start by, oh, and, and yes, and Mat- Matilda, I think Matilda's here for the first time, Matilda Dacre, Sam and Belen's beautiful new baby. So come on, let's congratulate them. It's their, I think it's their 15th or something like that. No, it's fourth beautiful baby. But we're doing a series from Luke 4.17 that Pastor John's been preaching on. So we're going to declare this together, Luke 4. 17, it says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Are you ready? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressor. Are you ready? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Well done. What a great blueprint for 2023. His spirit, his favor, and his rest. A little boy goes into a corner shop and he sees a jar of sweets. You're watching in America? Candy. You're watching in Australia? Lollies. There was a jar of sweets. The English language, so we get to say what it is. And the kid, little kid, dirty, grubby fingers, stares at the sweetie jar. And the shop owner sees him and he can tell. He probably hasn't got much money. And so he says, go on, son, help yourself to some sweets. And the little kid, he looks up at the owner, and then he looks down at the sweets, and he just stares longingly. So the owner says, no, go on, you you know, I know you haven't got enough money, just help yourself. One more time, the kid looks at the owner, looks at the sweets, it doesn't do anything. So the owner gets a bit frustrated at the little kid. He goes over to the sweetie jar, fills his hands, and says to the little boy, hold out your hands. And he pours all of the sweets into his little hands. And they go everywhere. The kid's put them in his pockets. They're falling on the floor. And he's still got his hands full. He's got a big smile. 
and he walks out of the shop. And just as he hits the door, the owner, he says, hey, little boy, why didn't you take some of the sweets when I asked you? They were free. The little boy looked at him and he said, mister, your hands are bigger than my hands. <laughs> when it comes to God's favor, who's glad that God's hands are bigger than your hands? That even when you haven't earned it, even when you don't deserve it, He still gives to you. Who's sick of living their life on what your grubby little hands can achieve and earn? Who'd rather say, God, I'm going to trust you for what your hands can provide in my life? So come on, why don't we pray together? Why don't you hold out your hands? Jesus, we want to thank you for your favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor. When we're choosing not to live by what our hands can provide, but we are believing to trust you, your good hands, in Jesus' name. And everyone with a bit of faith said, Amen. Amen. I want to read a scripture to you from Luke chapter 24. It says this, now, as they said these things, Jesus stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. But he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands. The title of my message is quite simple. Behold his hands. Who's ready to behold his hands? We're going to do that in just a moment. Before we do that, I'd like you to look at your hands. Everyone get your hands out and have a good look at your hands. And then turn to the person on your left or your right and have a good stare at their hands. All right? Have a, go on, have a look. You've been wanting to. All right, calm down. So you guys watching online as you've looked at your hands, why did I get you to do that? It's really simple. You can learn a lot from someone's hands. Learn a lot. Let's take my hands, for example. Everyone have a good look. Look at that. You want, you're not going to believe this. I'm a farmer's lad. Look at those hands. They look like they've never seen a day of hard work in their life. I am a keyboard warrior. All right, I can push a pen, but there's very little sign of hard work. You can tell what you don't love from someone's hands. If I was to look at Trevor Pimlot's hands, my father-in-law, he's a farmer, a proper farmer. He works with his hands, and you would see that he loves it. You can learn a lot from people by their hands. You can learn what they love. If you look at this hand, there's two things that you would learn from my hands. There's a little blister there. And the reason it's there is because I love golf. And that's where I grip it. It was gripping beating you yesterday, Mark Hollinger. And so you can see, I love to beat Mark Hollinger as well. So you can see what people love by looking at their hand. Of course, you will have seen my ring. On the 4th of April, 
Next month, Rachel and I will have been married for 30 years. You see, I know she's a lucky girl, isn't she? And I haven't taken this ring off literally for 30 years. Why? Because I've got a really fat knuckle and a really thin finger. But you can tell what you love. So when it comes to God, if we can learn a lot from our hands, what do we learn when we look at God's hands? I am. I'm going to use Mark Hollinger for an illustration. I like to do this occasionally if you can stand up. I'd like everyone to cup your hands, including you, Mark. Just come and stand here. Cup your hands and look at them. Just stand right there, Nev. I want you to to think about how much water do you think... I'm not going to do anything. It's just an illustration. How much water do you think you could hold in your hand? We're going to do an experiment. Could have chosen anyone. Now, this is three quarters full, so hold your hands, Mark. Cup them, and let's see how much of this cup you can hold in your hands till it starts spilling over, all right? All right, about there, yeah? Mate, that's like, it's, <laughs> Sam Lee was a quarter of a cup, you're like an eighth of a cup. <laughs> so how many degree, you can't hold that much? You're dribbling, mate. <laughs> no, I'm not quite sure what to do with you now, just go and take your seats, and why, why don't we give him a round <laughs> There we go, he's got it. But how much can you hold in the palm of your hands? Let's look at what the Bible says about God's hands. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with their young. Picture of God's love and compassion. Look what comes next, he said. Who else has held the oceans in the palm of his hand? What do you learn about God? He's got big hands. He can hold the oceans in the palm of his hand. You say, how much is that? Thank you for asking. Because a survey was done A measurement was done by the U.S. Geological Survey, and they calculated that all of the water in the oceans was equal to 326 million cubic miles. What's a cubic mile? Imagine a mile squared Rubik's Cube. That's one cubic mile. In every cubic mile, there are, let me get this right, a trillion gallons of water. So if there are 326 million cubic miles, times that by a trillion gallons of water, what can God hold in his hand? 326 quintillion gallons of water, which is 326 followed by 18 zeros. Who else can hold the oceans? God's got big hands. What does that mean? Point number one. God's hands are big enough to bless you. I said God's hands are big enough 
to bless you? Why would you limit your life to the size of what you can earn with your little grubby hands? What better way than to trust God's hands to supply when you need it, to provide when you need it, to favor you when you need it? He holds the oceans in the palm of his hands. You can have favor in a season of famine. God's not thinking, oh no, there's an energy crisis. What am I going to do? How am I going to make ends meet? What has Putin done? He holds the oceans in the palms of his hands. God's got big hands. How come in the middle of this economic downturn we're able to build a building and it would seem impossible. Costs are rising, surely people's giving should be going up and we pressed ahead to build an incredible building. Why? Because we're not just trusting what our hands can do. We are completely dependent on God's hand. Why? Because his hand are good hands and they're hands of favor and blessing. And this is a year of God's favor. Whose hands are you trusting? Behold his hands. Maybe you're thinking, wow, God's hands are that big. Makes me feel really small. How can God possibly be interested in little me, in Norwich, or this, or even the Ipswich back rowers? 2023. Does God see me? Ever felt like when other people get blessed and step into favor and you're struggling, you feel like, God, where's my favor? God, have you forgotten me? Have you ever felt like that in your life? It says in Isaiah 49, Verse 14, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Have you ever been there? I feel like everyone else has favor, but you have famine. How does God respond to his people? I love this. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Well, of course not. You mums, you know that. How could you forget that beautiful baby you give birth to, that you feed? And God said, even though that could be possible, even though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. In verse 16, see, I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Wow. Number one, God's hands are big enough to bless you. Number two, God's hands are marked so he'll never forget you. Think about that. People get tattoos with the things that they love. God's got huge hands. Why? Because your name is engraved and inscribed and carved on his hands. He will never forget you. You. You watching online, you know what amazes me? 
Many things amaze me. One of the things that amazes me is how you can get up here and speak a message like this and feel so inadequate and inferior. You can deliver the message to the best of your ability and you walk in the foyer. And people come and say, wow, that message was exactly what I needed. It was just for me. And people will say that multiple times and it will be different parts of the message. And every preacher knows that is nothing to do with you. That is the grace of God that knows what's going on in the hearts and minds and lives of every one of you individuals. I can't possibly know what's going on in your life, but God can preach a word through a donkey like me and it can just be what you need. Only God can do that. Why? Because you are engraved on the palm of his hands and he'll never, ever, ever forget you. He loves you with a love you cannot understand. I say to my girls all the time, you just don't know how much and how deeply I love you. And some of us, we have no clue how much God loves us, but you are engraved on the palm of his hands. You ought to smile a little bit about that. How good is God. He sees you. Even when you feel like you've forgotten. This week a man died that I, in Australia, that I know and love very much. And I loved him for many reasons, but one of the reasons was there was a time in my life, I was 40 years of age, and God has been so good to me and blessed me, and I was living in Australia. And on the outside, everything looked great and perfect. And when I turned 40, I did a half-time. Have you ever done a half-time? Some of you haven't because you're too young. Some of you are now in extra time. But anyway, I did a half-time. <laughs> turned 40, and I thought, I look back over the first half. You know, the oranges are on, and I'm thinking, how, how did we go in the first half? Let's prepare to run out for the second half. And I was grateful for so many areas of my life, but there was probably one area of my life that I thought, you know what, I haven't been too great in that area, and that was the area of finances. I'd always given to God sacrificially. And, but I remember thinking to myself, I'm 40 now, what if I died? Isn't that a great thought? Such a positive thought, but I did, and I'm not normally like that. I thought, what if I died? How would my wife and my two beautiful girls survive? We don't have any savings, we don't own a house, we live from paycheck to paycheck, and I just felt uneasy. I thought, I've got to get better in the second half. And I remember praying and meeting up with some guys. I took some practical action as well, but what happened was the following week, we were in our group. How many knows groups are a good thing? And in our group, a girl by the name of Lisa Moore in Brisbane, she came up at the end of the group, said, can I just pray for you, Steve? And Rach, because I really feel that God wants you to own your own house. And so she prayed for us. That was on the Tuesday night, and it was awesome. And Rachel's like, amen. And because um, and, Rachel wanted a house, but didn't just want a house. She knew exactly what she wanted. Because <laughs> she had done the calculation. She wanted four bedrooms so family could come over and stay. She wanted a swimming pool because it's flipping hot in Australia. And... Um, so she'd worked it out. And Rachel's always been a faith girl and a favor girl. It's brought up in a family that preaches the favor of God. But I, I guess I'm from the northeast of England. I'm a faith man, 
but I wasn't really a favor man. I would describe myself as a pragmatist. So when she says she wants a, a four bedroom house with a pool, I'm doing the sums, $450,000. Interest rates, you know, to get a deposit would require 20%, that's 80 grand, and that's what I do. Come on, where are all the pragmatists? Give me a wave. All right. Stop pointing at your husband like that. All right. But it's, it's true, isn't it? We're either a favor or prag pragmatists. Let me give you another word for pragmatist. It's when you think that you've got to live by what your hands can provide and don't really have the faith to step into what God's hand. That was me. And I remember thinking when I turned 40, you know, I don't want to own my own house. Then I started to compare. How many of you have ever compared yourself to those around you? It's a killer, isn't it? I'm thinking, well, you know, most of my family, they're on their own house and my friends and some of them are buying their investment properties and I've got nothing. It can be very dangerous when you start living that comparison game. It would have been so easy to say, God, you've forgotten me. How many are grateful that you're written in the palm of his hand? And you could be just one day away from God's favor being unleashed on you. The Tuesday night, Lisa Moore comes and says, I really believe God wants to give you a house. On the Wednesday, Rachel, Rachel is speaking at Evening College in Brisbane and a guy called Terry, I think I've got a picture of Terry. This is me and Terry. It's gonna come up in a second. Terry, Terry comes up to me and he says, I want you and Rachel to come. There he is, me and Terry. He died last week. By the way, that's ginger beer, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Where's all the ginger beer people? All right, God bless. Oh, yeah, we've got more in this service. I love that. So um, Terry says to Rachel on Wednesday night, why don't you come to my house on Sunday? Me and my wife, we, we want to cook lunch for you, and I've got to, I want to give you a seed. Nobody had ever said, come to dinner, and I'll give you a seed. Not even a vegan. And so we went over, and... We had a beautiful lunch, and at the end of the lunch, he hands me this envelope. And it's got seeds, sellotape to the outside, hands it over to me and Rach. And he says, I really believe God wants you to build a house, and I want to help you. He said, open it up. We opened it up, and there was a check for 5,000 Australian dollars. I've never been given it money like that so Tuesday night Lisa said God wants you to build your house Wednesday night Terry says I want to give you some money and then he says have you ever thought of building your own house now if you know me you would know I've never thought of building a house I couldn't build a Lego house and so I hadn't a genuine the thought had not entered my mind he said well I was at an auction yesterday for a block of land and it didn't sell why don't I go and show you it and so now my faith levels are high. I'm a favor guy. And so we walked down the road, literally to Maida Street in Shaler Park. You can Google it. And he shows me this block of land. It had been purchased for $250,000 by a guy who went bust. It was repossessed by the bank. And they'd put it to auction three times and nobody had put a bid in it. He says, why don't you put in a, bit, a bid on it? I said, how? He said, we see that number on the for sale sign. Call the agent and put a bid on it. I said, how much? He said, 180000 so I did, I called the guy. I thought, that's a bit low, but we'll give it a try. I called him. His name was Mark. 
said, oh, is that Pastor Steve? He worked for the church. He, he worked in the real estate, but he was from our church and he recognized my voice, which is a bit embarrassing. He says, why have you called? I said, I want to put a bid in. He said, how much? I said, 180, and it went quiet. He said, he gave me the sympathy vote. He said, Steve, I'll take you to the bank and I'll get back to you in a couple of days. A couple of days later, he said, Steve, I can't believe it. The bank are considering it, but can you just give a bit more? So I said, give me a minute. I called Terry. Terry, what, what should I do? He said, tell him 180, last offer. <laughs> Put the phone down. So I called him back, said, it's my last offer. It's all I can do. He said, I'll call you back. Five minutes later, the phone rang. The bank said yes. They accepted my offer. How many know 70,000 is a lot of money? <laughs> Sometimes you've got to stop thinking about your hands. Start thinking about his hands. Then we had to go and choose a house. When I say we, I mean Rachel went and chose a house. And it was a four bedroom with a pool and we knew how much it would cost now for the house and the land, just over 400,000 like I originally thought. So now we had to go to the bank, see if we could get a loan, find out how much the deposit would be. Went into the bank expecting a deposit of 20,000 and said, well firstly, good news Mr. Morstan, because you're a permanent resident, you qualify for the Queensland Homeowners, homeowners First Building Grant, 17,500. Great. Come on, round of applause for the Queensland. It's like a gift. Superb. And they said, because you got the land so cheap and the loan-to-value ratio is so good, we're not going to charge you 20%. We're going to charge you 5%, which means that what your deposit will need to be is $22,500. You add the Queensland first homeowners to the 5000 I've given. Guess what it amounts to? 22 and a half thousand. Come on, why don't we thank God? Look at what His hands are able to do. Do you know if God can do it for Steve? He can do it for you. I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it. It's about choosing God. I'm going to believe that your hand is a hand of favor. God sees every one of your needs. God's in his kindness, he, he sees the thing that you're longing for, that thing that keeps you awake at night, that you're praying for, that anxiety attacks you over. God sees and he is able. But you know, what the other thing I love about Terry Heiser is not only did he give me seed, but at his funeral service, on Friday, they talked about how he built an orphanage in Cambodia, how he purchased wheelchairs for children in Latvia. This is a guy that put his hands into God's hand, and he became like the little boy in the sweetie shop. God didn't just give him enough for him. It was overflowing for others, and that's what God wants to do. He wants to pour out his favor on you, but it's not just for you. It's for those around us, those that are hurting, those that need it. Come on, who would love for God's hand of favor to be poured out so we can reach people and help people? So you're engraved in the palm of his hand. He sees you. These two guys came into church. You didn't pour it back into here, did you? No, I'm good. I was in the foyer, I think it was Wednesday, and two young guys, probably about 30, walked in. And the receptionist, Lucy, was on the phone, so they were stood there. And I, 
And I could tell they were looking a bit anxious, so I went over to speak to them in the foyer. And I said, why are you here? Can we help? And he said, oh, I can't pay my electricity and I've got no food. And he was only about 30 years of age, but I, you know when you look in someone's eyes and you just see pain and hopelessness? And he was about to just start to cry. So I met. it must have taken so much courage for you to come here, walk into a church and admit that. So can I take you over to our social supermarket? Literally walked a few steps. Took them straight into that porter cabin over there. Introduced him to Sam Milcham. And he explained how you can come here every week. And literally help yourself. Because we want to be able to be there for you. I see volunteers that work in there. And honestly, the change in the expression in this guy's face when hope came back into his life that now at least he's going to be able to eat. And I can't tell you how much joy that gave me to be able to have one conversation in the foyer and walk that guy to the social. Why? Because it's our church and it's your faithfulness and your generosity that has made it possible for us to help these people that so desperately need it. Why? Because he gives seed to the sower and you are a generous church. Thank you for living beyond yourself. How incredible. He gives seed to the soul. What a great way to live your life, not at the size of what your hands can do, but trust God for his hand of favor. And as the team come up, number one, God's hands are big enough to bless you. Number two, God's hands are marked to never forget you. But number three, if you're making notes, God's hands are extended because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. This, the scripture I read at the start was taken from Luke chapter 24. The disciples are on the road to Emmaus. Some amazing things have just happened. Jesus has just gone to the cross. Jo, jo, Judas denied him. Peter, sorry, betrayed him. Peter denied him and the rest of them deserted him. His closest friends did that to him. And Jesus went to the cross for them and for you. Can you imagine how those boys felt? Man, we really stuffed up there. He didn't do anything wrong. He provided for us for three years and when he needed us most. And he's dead. You talk about guilt. Talk about regret. And they're walking along disillusioned. And the word has got out that maybe he's risen. There was a rumor and so a couple of the women went down to the tomb. They didn't see Jesus, but they claimed they'd met an angel who said he's not here. He's risen. So they went back to all the disciples so Peter, he's always the first, isn't he? Straight down to the tomb. Check it out. And he can't see Jesus, but he sees the grave clothes. And so they're on this route to Emmaus. Man, this, this has been incredible, hasn't it? We really thought Jesus was the one. 
We saw him die and some people think he's alive, but they wanted to see the proof, the evidence. If we could only see him, then we could really believe. Some of you are like that in this congregation, some of you online. I just had the proof. People keep telling me he's real, but I've, I've, I've never met him. And then we turn to this scripture. They're walking and talking and it says, I love it, verse 36 of Luke 24, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. Even when you weren't looking for him, he came looking for you. And he said to them, peace. Listen to this. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they'd seen a spirit or a ghost. Isn't it amazing how people will turn to fear before faith? But then look what Jesus says to them. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? He's saying to some of you, why are you troubled? Just look at my hands. Look how big they are. They're able to provide for you. Look how I've engraved you. Because when you look at a person's hands and nails, you see what they love. And then Jesus says, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? He does this. He says, behold my hands. See my nails. See how much I loved you. See what I just did for you. And I haven't come back to you with a clenched fist in anger. I haven't come back to you with a finger pointing in condemnation. He comes and extends his hand and says, Behold my hands. See how much I love you. See how even when it was impossible and everyone had written me off, it was dark. There seemed to be no way. But God raised him from the dead because he can make a way in your darkest situation. Whatever you're facing in your life and your family, behold his hand. He can rise from the dead. He can provide for your needs. He can be there in your marriage. He can be there for those things that attack you at night. Behold my hands. Friend, his hands are big enough to bless you. When you see his hands, you see how much he loves you. And right now, his hand is extended in love to you. He's saying, will you take my hand? Will you believe in me and trust me? First time I walked into this church, thought everyone was crazy. I was 13 years of age. A couple of nights later, I felt Jesus' hands extend towards me and I took hold of his hand. And he's never let me go. And I've never wanted him to let me go. And he's here for you.
I'd like everyone to stand for just a moment. I'm going to ask that nobody leaves. Just stand for one moment. Behold his hands. Maybe you're here and you've never taken hold of Jesus' hand. But this morning you've realized just how much he loves you. He doesn't come to condemn you. No matter what you've done that's wrong, he still loves you, my friend. Just keep looking at me for just a moment. Friend, he loves you and his hand is extended towards you. Maybe you once walked with God, but you feel like those disciples. You feel like, man, I messed up. I let him down. I got it wrong. But you know what the good news is? He still loves you. He's still got a great plan. And when you come to know the Lord Jesus, here's what he does. He forgives you of your past. He wipes the slate clean. He gives you meaning and purpose for your today. And He gives you an eternal hope for tomorrow. You say, Steve, how do I get right with God? It's really simple. You pray a prayer and it changes everything. I prayed that prayer at the age of 13. It changed my life forever. Took that first step and friend, He's here. He's standing in the midst. He wants to give you His peace. And He's extending His hand of love. This could be the day when he comes into your life for the first time. Or maybe this is the day when you need to get right with him. So would you close your eyes? Friend, this is between you and God, nobody else. His hands are big enough to bless you. You're carved in his hand. And right now his hand is extended towards you in love. If you say, Steve, I want to get right with God, would you pray for me? We're all going to pray pray a prayer together but I would love to know who I'm including in this moment if you want to get right with God then when I count to three I'm going to ask you simply to raise your hand by raising your hand you're saying Steve I want to get right with God so are you ready all across this room from the front to the back if you want to get right with God and when I count to three you raise your hand we're praying for you we love you friend and Jesus loves you are you ready one two three that's it just raise it thank you 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 this is so beautiful thank you so powerful you can pop it back down how amazing that God sees every hand and I know lots of you will have raised your hand some of you you moved in your heart you too can pray this prayer so let's all repeat this prayer after me the whole church dear Lord Jesus Thank you for dying for me, to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. And Father, right now, you see every hand, you see every heart, every heart that needs you, that has just reached out to you. I pray that in this moment you would come in and change them forever. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, I'm going to give you online and you in the room just some thoughts. But first, I'd love to pray for everyone in the church. It's another moment between you and God. Maybe something I said helped you realize 
that you've been living at the size of what your hands can do. You've, but today some faith has been stirred up to trust God for what He can do. Maybe some of you need to start praying some bigger prayers. Maybe some of you need to start trusting God in a fresh way for your family, for that long lost loved one that you think is in the too hard box, but God can do exceedingly and abundantly and above. I'd love to take a moment for you to take your hands to put that situation into God's hands. So right where you are, everyone close your eyes. If that's you, if you've got a situation, you say, God, I've been trusting in my hands, but right now I give it into your hands. Right now, just hold out your hands and I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, you see every person and every need. You see those people online. You see the people in the building. So right now, Lord, we give it to you. We put our hands in your hands, Lord. We trust you. We see your power. We see your authority. And so we look to you right now. So come on, church, with our hands open, why don't we worship him and look to him together? The earth will shake. What a fantastic word. Is anyone grateful that you're in God's hands? I'm so grateful that I'm reminded again as I go into this week. I'm not going to have it all together in my own hands. It's not in my strength. If I go into a meeting, a boardroom, classroom, I'm in His hands. He's going to help me, carry me, strengthen me, protect me, guide me. You're in good hands. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're in good hands. You're in good hands. If you prayed that prayer at the end and... Just lifted up your hand and said that salvation prayer. We've got a gift for you. It's a Bible. It's a modern day translation of the Bible to help you understand it. And our team will be out there in the foyers afterwards, just holding them in the air. So please take one. It's a gift from us to you. And uh, we'd encourage you to, to take a Bible, but also come back to church. If I could give you two pieces of advice for life, it would be keep reading your Bible and keep coming back to church. Because this is like a map. It's a map. And it helps you move in the right direction. It helps you get to where you need to go in life. And so I encourage you to, to keep, keep, keep reading your Bible. And you can also, if you, if you don't want to read a physical Bible, there's a Bible app on all your smartphones called the Bible app. So download the, uh, the Bible app and connect online as well. Well, come on, let's put our hands together. Let's thank Steve. What a fantastic word. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.